0: Again, it's good to see you this morning, and I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles with me to page 993. We're going to be looking at 1 Timothy chapter 5. I entitled this uh, sermon, Family Matters, but I guess I probably should have entitled it Family Matters Part 1, because I'm only going to be covering the very first part of uh, of this reading. However... I'm going to read it all, because I think it pertains, it hangs together. 1 Peter chapter 5, Paul writing to Timothy in the church of Ephesus. Got some problems there, and Paul is addressing them. One of the biggest problems is just Timothy himself having grown discouraged and uh, actually wanting to leave. And Paul says, no, you, you stay there, and he's giving him very practical advice, and strongly worded in some cases, about how to handle the challenges in the church. So he comes to verse 1, chapter 5, and he says to, to his protege, to the one he calls my dear child in the faith, he says, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. But this is pleasing in the sight of God. And she who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers day and night. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith, and he is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she's not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, and having a reputation for good works. If she's brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refuse to enroll younger widows when are, their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. And besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house. Not only idlers, but gossips, and busybodies, saying what they should not. So I would encourage younger widows, marry, bear children, manage their households, give the adversary no occasion for slander, for some have already strayed after Satan, If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. Or as other texts put it, who are widows indeed. Well, let's pray together. Father, I do pray to you this morning and ask you sincerely that you would make the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Let me just take you back for a quick moment. You remember back in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, the Apostle Paul was writing to Timothy and he explained his purpose in writing. He said, I'm writing these things so that if I delay, in other words, I'm delayed in coming and teaching directly, so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household or in the family of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. And now this morning, what we see is just how seriously Paul meant it when he called the church God's household or God's family. You know, as, a, as a Christian church, we are as much a family as we are a worshiping assembly of Christians. God makes us into this family, just as he makes us into his worshipers. Yes, as his household, uh, we are a temple for worship. But as his household, we are also to be a home for one another. Let's think about that for a moment. The two are so interrelated in Scripture. Christ came to save us from sin and death. He came to restore what sin and death have taken from us, to save us from sin and death, and then to restore what sin and death has taken from us. The experience of our salvation is to be an experience of being, in which we are restored to God as our Father who created us, and being restored to one another as his family. And the order of creation was turned upside down when Adam sinned. And it's made right side up again through Christ. You've heard me use this phrase again and again throughout the course of 1 Timothy, the order of creation. And being restored to God, of course, is impossible apart from God reconciling us to himself. And being restored as his family among one another is impossible apart from God dwelling among us. And the first, God accomplished, reconciling us to himself through Christ, sending a son to die for our, our sins on the cross. The second, he is accomplishing among us by having sent his Holy Spirit to be among us. So this experience of salvation is salvation from sin and death for restoration. And the restoration is not only in our relationship with God, it's also in our relationship with one another to be God's family on earth. Our, our shared blood relationship to Adam and Eve cannot bind us together. It's only our blood relationship to Christ that can and that does eternally. His blood, Christ's blood, has broken the power of sin and rebellion. Christ's blood is what humbles us. His blood cleanses us. His blood gives us life. His blood draws us together. So, when we look at this passage that Paul's written, if I was to sum up just in one word the lesson that Paul is teaching Timothy, I'll sum it up with a nod to the late, great Aretha Franklin. I would say that it's all about R-E-S-P-E-C-T. It is about respect. You know our word spectacle comes from the same word as respect, to respect someone, whether in English or Latin or Greek roots of these words, it all refers to the same thing. Respect means to look back at, respect, look back at, or look often at someone. And that's a that's a very helpful, that's a very helpful world picture, because to respect someone is to give them my attention, to give them your attention, to pay attention to them. And the phrase is really a good one, to pay attention to them. You pay attention to them because of who they are, because you see their worth and their value, and you say, it's worth my paying attention to her. You pay attention to To them you give them your attention so when someone speaks to us or we speak to them we make sure we have turned toward them that's inherent in the word respect we've turned toward them I mean what does this mean if I walk up to James and say James good morning all right what does that mean that is no respect if I go up to James and say James good morning eye to eye That is respect. Respect is acknowledgement. It is an acknowledgement of the worth and the value of another person by the way you pay attention to them. And that is a reflection, of course, of our heart, of our heart attitudes. When people come near to us, we don't wait for them uh, to say something to us. We acknowledge them first. Um, You know, when people come into a room, you know, it's been fashionable, it's been proper in the past when a lady enters the room for men to stand and have her seated. Now, the feminist movement says that's terrible, but it's no more terrible than standing when a judge enters into a courtroom. It is a matter of respect. It's giving way for them. It is paying attention to them it's giving regard for them it's saying to them i'm not going to be comfortable until you're comfortable i'm i'm putting you above myself in the way i relate to you i can go through the door myself but i'm not going to feel i've <laughs> gone through until i've opened the door for you this is a very nice place to sit on the metro i'm here you don't Oh, I don't owe you my seat, but as a matter of respect, I see that you, I see that, I pay attention to the fact you are standing there, and I am concerned for you. I see your worth and your value. Please take my seat. That's the origin of it. These kinds of behaviors are not just about good manners, and they're not about the person we're deferring to being weaker than we are. These behaviors are about respect. That's what they're about. And the very word respect inheres, it's just inherent in the very concept of respect. You know what it is to walk into a room and start talking to someone? You you want to say something to them. And they're listening to you, but they're not even looking at you. They're not even giving you time of day. They're yes, yes, yes. That's a lack of respect. By definition, that is disrespectful. To listen to them and speak with them, to hear them, to make that contact to show you value them, that they matter to you, that they're worth your attention. That is respect. Well, this is really about respect. I remember when I first came to atonement, um, there were a group of families in the church, I believe, at least one couple I know, Bob and Bobby Kojak. You'll remember this. I don't think that, that it has continued, but... This goes back a long way, but you were in a Bible study, and it was for families, and it was called Homes of Honor. It was called Homes of Honor, and I was thinking back to that uh, this this week, because the the premise behind Paul's remarks really is that our is that our homes are to be places of honor, places of respect, where people are respected, where they are honored, and this. And to heighten this, as I am today, as a priority, this is not respect and honor in place of love, but respect and honor, rather, is how we express love. Now, it's one thing to say that we go home and we take our hair down. I hope you take your hair down. It's one thing that, I mean, if you have hair, it's good. Um, it's, you know, it's one thing to come home and say, I can be a little more frank, even a little crass with people who love me and will let me get away with that. As far as I'm concerned, that is part of family life. But the idea of letting your hair down, of going home and saying, well, I, when I'm at home, I can just drop the civility and I can drop the manners and I, can, and I can treat people any way I want to because, you know what, they can't kick me out of the family. That is disrespect. And what it says is that our behaviors of respect toward others outside the home aren't really about respecting others. It's about them respecting us for how we've treated them. But in fact, we don't really respect. Now, homes are to be places of respect. They're not to be places where our worst behaviors get acted out because we can relax and be ourselves. If that's what we are when we are ourselves, there's something deeply and foully wrong with us and with our homes, and we need to address it. Yes, relax. Yes, be laid back. Yes, be familiar. Yes, torment and tease each other, but respect and honor each other at the same time. There are boundaries that just cannot, that just cannot be crossed. And that really is Paul's, that is Paul's premise. I say they cannot be crossed if they cannot, why? If we respect the orders of creation as God has made us. Without respect and honor... What passes for love, and I mean this, without respect, without honor, what passes for love is a distortion of love. You know, we all need water, but I'm talking about contaminated water. And people who grow up with contaminated waters in their home are poisoned by it. And it takes a long time to get that out of the system. God created us to be an us, not a me. And not a you only, but to be in us. And our capacity for community and how we relate to one another reflects the triunity of our God and the fact that he made us in his image. And this is essential to our being made in his image. We cannot be whole without it. And When I think about the disrespect, it's so rampant around us And that so many people have to live with. I'm talking about members of my congregation. Or that so many people have lived with in my own congregation. It makes it all the more pressing to me that God's whole household here to gather together be a place that is characterized by honor and by respect. It not only is a part of our restoration, it is our being reconformed into the orders of creation, reordered under the creation order before the fall, which is a good and sweet order. But then it is part also of our healing. I don't think people can heal without respect. So Paul begins counseling Timothy. He says, Do not rebuke an older man. Now, this is a word, rebuke, you find in other places in Scripture in English. This is the only place this Greek word is used. It comes from a... The term literally means to strike. It means to go after a person at that point of of their vulnerability, to pierce them, to deliberately try to pierce them. He says, do not strike an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, a younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity, and honor widows who are truly widows. So here Paul's talking about how we treat people who are older than we are, either as mothers, as fathers, those who are our age or younger as brothers and sisters, and then he singles out widows for special attention. Now this and and does that at great length, but this week I'm going to focus on his comments in relation to older people people who are older than we are. Now this week I read an article by a geriatric specialist on how to treat old people, and it was a great answer. The answer was we need to show them respect. And then uh, she went on to write about some ways to show respect to people. And I thought these were great. She said, be patient with them. Be polite to them. Ask them for their counsel. Share a meal with them. Tell them you appreciate them. Spend time with them. Well, I thought those are all great answers, you know. But then as I was reading the article, just to be very honest with you, I felt like the author really defeated her purpose in writing the way that she did, because I really actually felt she was being patronizing. And here's the way I would put it to you. We all have a gains and losses column in our lives. There's a gains and losses column for every one of us. And as she was writing about older people, she was focusing on the losses columns for many older adults. Her premise was that older people are more vulnerable, they're less healthy, they're more fragile, they're needier, and they're more afflicted than other people. In other words, although she didn't mean to say it, that can only leave you thinking, if you're not one of them, that, that they are really kind of down here and we are up there. They're rather really inferior. And we're doing these things to help them feel better about themselves. And that is the very definition of patronizing. The very definition of it. And it happens. I mean, you, <laughs> I don't know how to tell you the story, but it really happens as you get older. And I'm not saying I'm getting older, but I am saying it's beginning to happen to me. So, <laughs> you know... <laughs> You go into, you, you know, let's say you go in, you have to go to some specialist, you know, and you go in and the lady walks into the office, the gentleman, you know, the technician, and they, they, look, up, they look up and they, they see me and they say, oh, Mr. Young, how are you feeling today? <laughs> and I say, if I was feeling well, I wouldn't be here today. May I ask you a question? How old are you today? (laughs) Let me tell you something. If you focus on the vulnerabilities that come with childhood, or adolescence, or young adulthood, or middle adulthood, or old age, if you focus on someone's losses column rather than on their gains column, based on their stage of life, Anyone you evaluate is going to come out as the lesser. And if that's what you really believe about them, all your attempts to show respect to them will only be seen as attempts at a show. And they'll be experienced as patronizing. Now let me say that the biblical premise behind showing respect is really remarkably different And I'm going to name three ways that it is remarkably different. Showing respect, first of all, showing respect for older people is not grounded in their need for us to treat them that way. It is grounded in the fact that they deserve it. They deserve it. They came before you. They've made it farther than you have. They've endured more than you've had to endure. You know, status literally means standing. And when we talk about people of status, they are people that in the imagery, which is very good, helpful imagery, in the imagery we talk about people of status, we're then talking about people we look up to. And for the reasons I just described uber-briefly, older people have status that those who are younger than them simply do not have. So our starting point is to look up at them. It is not to look down on them. I'm going to remind you this morning that every person's life story is a story of survival. It is about accomplishment. It is about prevailing in the midst of adversity. It is about recovering after failure. It's about dealing with the realities of this life that you also are dealing with. That's what it's about. So showing respect for people is not uh, is not a, <laughs> a matter of giving them something because they need it. Older people, honestly, they deserve it. They are veterans of their own kind. They have survived battles that you don't know about. In fact, some of the most accomplished older people I've ever met, they tend to be the people who least speak about themselves. What's more, and this is especially true of those who've been parents to us, Not only our biological parents, but other people who've been parents to us. They have sacrificed for us. And so to put it very bluntly, we owe them respect. It is a matter of gratitude. We owe them gratitude. We really do. They met our needs when we were unaware. They protected us when we were defenseless. They gave us an education when we could not spell the word. They believed in us when there was reason to doubt. They stuck with us even though we hurt them. They invested in us their wisdom, their life lessons, their knowledge, and most importantly, when it happens, of course, their Christian faith. So respect really is a matter of gratitude, which we owe to them. They did their duty for us. In verse 4, Paul speaks about children, and he speaks about grandchildren making some return to their parents when he's writing about support for destitute widows. He's talking about supporting them financially, taking them into their homes, providing for them. And he calls this making some return to them. This is the language of indebtedness, of owing a debt. In this case, the debt of gratitude. And it is expressed tangibly. And Paul concludes by saying, referring to making a return to your parents or your grandparents. He says, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. These two notions of uh, honor deserved and gratitude owed are so important to God that we as a church are to extend them regardless of whether, whether one's biological family has done so. Because we are here as the pillar and buttress of the truth. We are here to affirm both the reality of people's lives, and the truth of the creation order and to foster its restoration in every way that we can and this brings me to the third biblical reason why respect or honor are due think with me for a moment about the fifth commandment. you know what it says honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And as Paul elsewhere points out, this is the only one of the Ten Commandments that comes with a promise, right? That your days may be long in the land that the Lord God is giving you. So here in the Fifth Commandment, God flagged commitment to honor our fathers and our mothers as essential for a thriving spiritual life under God's blessing in the future after they're gone. In Leviticus 19, verse 32, God said, You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man. You shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You hear all those statements brought together? first about how to treat those who are older than we are, and then God's reinforcement of that, when he says, you shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man, and you shall fear your God. That's not, and also you should do this. It's one and the same. It's called apposition. You will do this and you will fear your God. You will fear God. Do this and you will fear God and I am the Lord. In other words, this is coming from me. This is what it's about. And so the Lord goes way past pragmatism, saying that you, you need older people, and you do. And that you need younger people to respect you, and you do. He goes way past that. He is saying that this is essential to true religion, and to the fear of the Lord. That if we dishonor those who are older than us, we dishonor him. And He sang in that language, they will, or maybe, they may be, they will soon be gone, but I will not forget. Do not dishonor them. Do not dishonor them. Honor them. Respect them. Respect older men as fathers, older women as mothers. This is God's household. That's the way it's to be. It's the order of creation. We owe it. They deserve it. But even if they don't, it's still our duty before the Lord. And he honors those who honor them. That's important to keep in mind. That's the point of the fifth commandment. It's not that uh, you honor your parents and the nation will last for a long time because of the social consequences of one generation honoring another. No, this is about the blessing of God on his covenant people. However he does it. And we're reminded that at any some point in time we begin to think that the cost of this honor, this respect is too high, or that it's unnecessary because we've spoken too idealistically about older people here in the text today. God reminds us, now wait a minute. This is not about your relationship with them or what they're like, really. It's, re- it's really about your, your relationship with me. And I want to assure you, whatever it costs you, whatever commitment's required, I am no man's debtor. You will not regret it. You will never regret it. You will never regret the sacrifice. That's really what I believe God is saying. Now, there's a lot more that I could say today about about this, but time won't allow it. So I would like to remind you end up with two quotes. The first one is wonderfully serious. And the other one is wonderful also, though it is not so serious. The wonderfully serious quote comes from Jesus. You remember at one point, uh, Jesus was teaching his disciples in a house. It was all filled up, and so... Jesus' mother Mary, biological mother Mary, and biological brothers, born of Mary and Joseph, they were outside. They come to fetch Jesus. There's just too much turmoil around him. They thought this this is getting out of hand. We're concerned for him. He's going too far. They weren't convinced he was the Messiah at that point themselves, and so they came together and they sent word into the room, and the word came to Jesus, "Your your your mother and your brothers are waiting for you. They are asking." For you. And this is a pivotal moment, I think, in Jesus' ministry, at least in his relationship with his disciples, because he responds by saying, Who are my mother and my brothers? And then the text makes it very clear, looking at those who sat around him. What is respect about? It's about paying attention to people. Looking at those who are seated around him, he said, Here is my mother and my brother. Here are my sisters. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my mother and my sister. Imagine if you had been in that room and Jesus was looking at you and had just called you his brother or his sister or his mother. He made his disciples a family in a way that conveyed the respect, his respect as a brother for them and as a son to them. And in the respect and in that honor that he showed them, he bestowed a dignity on those disciples that they had never known. And he is our pace setter. And when we've been shown such dignity and respect and honor ourselves by our Savior to whom all honor is due, and he is not here to receive that honor and respect back from us, physically anyway, how are we to turn it? But we're to turn it on one another. We're to extend it to others. And to the extent we've done it to the least of them, we've done it to him. And finally, a paraphrase. Uh, this comes from George Burns. <laughs> George Burns said, I was always taught to respect my elders, and now I've reached an age when I don't have anybody to respect. <laughs> you look at the slide, the images of a young person, a young man, to the old man the same image of course represents the passage of time so I would just say to you this morning about this message don't be like George Burns get going show respect while you still have time not only while there's still time for you but while there's still while there is still time for others Let's pray together. Our Father, we love you and we really thank you for this uh, portion of your word. And I understand, you know, I have veered into something of a topical message today, but the truth of it in here is in this entire text. And I pray that you would give to us hearts and minds to see the worth and the value of others, and I think particularly today, we think together of older people, people who are older than we are. They really do deserve our respect. And we really do owe them respect as a matter of gratitude. And this really is a matter of the fear of God, which is unchanging. You are unchanging. Your commands are unchanging, regardless of the, the vicissitudes and the, and the ambiguities of life and human relationships here, and I pray, Lord, that you would help help us both extend and receive respect here at Atonement, not only among our members but among our newcomers, for our newcomers and those who are here. I really believe it is a healing thing. Uh, it is a rest- it's part of restoration. We, we, we really can't be whole without relationships in which we experience love as respect and honor. Jesus set the pace. I even think of how from the cross he provided for his soon-to-be widowed mother. Always honor. Always respect. To the very end. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.